Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Keeping Up Appearances, the luxury podcast. If you hadn't already guessed, this is the companion podcast for exploring the world of Hyacinth Bouquet in the hit BBC sitcom Keeping Up Appearances. My name's Jonathan Vernon-Smith, with me of course, William Hanson. Hello, Jonathan and I are here because we love Hyacinth and the world of Keeping Up Appearances. We are big bucketheads and we want you to be a big buckethead as well. By now, you should, of course, know how this podcast works. But here's just a little reminder in case. In each instalment, William and I will take you through an episode of Keeping Up Appearances, delving deep into the world of the bouquets. Which episode are we going to go through today, William? Series 2, Episode 4, Golfing with the Major. Love it. And here is the official synopsis according to Harold Snowt, producer-director. Hyacinth and Richard go to a hotel for a golfing weekend at the invitation of the Major, who Hyacinth thinks they ought to keep up with socially, especially as golf is very much an upmarket activity. Apart from annoying the hotel staff and other guests, Hyacinth foolishly accepts an offer from the Major to go for a drive in the country, whilst Richard is busy practising his golf only to discover that the Major is still romantically interested in her. Rose is at the hotel having a fling with her latest boyfriend, and when Onslow and Daisy arrive to pick her up, they are privy to the sight of a bedraggled hyacinth returning from running away from the Major (laughs) in the countryside. And interestingly, he also puts that in the cast there's Emmett and Elizabeth. They are not in this episode. No, they don't feature. No. The episode, of course, starts with Hyacinth and Richard in the Rover. Yes, Rover 216. The 216. In tonic blue. And she's got a lovely hat on with, I think, a bit of pheasant stuck to it. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it's not roadkill. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I like this episode because, and obviously we start in the car, as you say, because there's no Wayne Elm scenes. Or indeed Onslow and Daisy's house. There's nothing. It's all completely in the field in a different setting which means that 
they don't fall, Roy Clark, the writer, doesn't fall victim to sort of doing the formulaic stuff Mm. or doing the same jokes. It is actually all fresh content. And arguably, you and I have said before, that maybe some of the better episodes of the entire five series are when they are away from the standard. Yes, that's true. And they arrive at a hotel called Chesford Grange. Now, I I googled this mm. and was amazed to find that it's a genuine hotel. Yeah, and I'm staggered that obviously on the BBC for those that that maybe don't get how the BBC works living in another country, it's it's state funded. The the British taxpayers No, we're not state funded, we're public funded. Sorry. The BBC is public funded. And so there are many regulations as to what, you know, advertising. That's why there are no adverts on the BBC. But yeah, back in the 90s, we are, the BBC is there advertising a hotel. They don't make any attempt to disguise it's called Chesford Grange. It's mentioned and named and shown numerous times. Yes. One wonders whether did Chesford Grange offer it for free Ooh. as a filming location uh, in return for getting a mention? Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? We can only speculate. But we we could maybe do a little sort of a Keeping Up Appearances podcast getaway. We could go and stay there. Or, alternatively, the QE2. Oh, well, we, let's do both. <laughs> let's I know which do one both. I'd rather do. Yes, quite. Rooms start at £79 a night currently at Chesford Grange. Do they really? Yes. That's very reasonable. Yes. Is that breakfast included? I don't know, but it is in Warwick. Ah, oh, say no more. <laughs> Kenilworth. They're meeting the major at the hotel, mm. and they're meeting for, I think it's, um, well, for, for Hyacinth to spend time with the major's wife and for Richard to do a bit of golfing with him. Yes, I don't think Richard's a very keen golfer. In fact, there's a later episode of this programme where golf goes a bit, a bit awry. But yes, he's been dragged along because, of course, it's because he is a major, it's very important that he is kept up with socially. I said it's so long since I played golf. I hope you're not going to let the Major down. It's very kind of the Major and his wife to suggest that we join them for the weekend. It means that we're socially upwardly mobile, dear. Until he sees how I play golf. Haven't you been practising? I don't like golf. It's very selfish. They arrive at the hotel and the Major's Morgan. Did you know it was a Morgan part? I didn't because I'm not a car buff, thank you. I, well, I think it's a Morgan. I stand, could be, stand to be corrected, but I think it's a Morgan. He's parked in the car park. Uh, they quickly arrive in the reception area and there's this lovely... The, the, this, the whole scene kicks off beautifully because there's an old-fashioned bell on yes. the reception. Richard rings it once. Badly. He doesn't put enough thrust into it. So Hyacinth, ding, ding! She gives it a proper... And then the lady comes out. And then you said earlier, mm. because it was not set at Wayne Elm, we don't have some of the formulaic jokes. Of course, we immediately have the bouquet joke, don't we? Well, we have some of them. B-U-C-K-E-T. Yeah. Can't find a reservation under bouquet. And then Richard sort of proffers that it's spelt B-U-C-K-E-T. Oh, bucket. bucket. It's bouquet. What was the name again, please? Bouquet. Uh, that's spelled B-U-C-K-E-T. <laughs> Bucket. Pronounced bouquet, dear. If you'll just fill in the form, please. The, the oh, reception, actually, although, nice. and I've clarified this, this in, in the Harold nice. Snowbook, it is a set. I thought so. But if you do look at the photos on the website of Chester Grange currently, 
you can sort of, they've clearly the production design has gone to Chesford Grange to get inspiration for how their set should look because there is that arch and the, the desk on the left. There is. You're absolutely right. I noticed the same thing. Because I said to you, is it a set or is it the real thing? For me, you can tell. The, the opening when they walk across and there's that kind of old-fashioned red hotel carpet, mm, Yeah, you can see that that is the actual location. But then it cuts and the lighting's all different. So as yeah. far as I was concerned, you could definitely tell. it. They get shown to their room. Room 212. Two. Yes. And it's quite a dated room. It is. It is dated. I wonder whether it, we're saying that now because obviously it's 30 years later. Well, but I still think even at the time it yeah, was probably still a bit Probably dated. a little bit. But I love the way Hyacinth immediately as she enters the room, she does a little <laughs> Hyacinth check. Checks the, the loo, <laughs> checks the tap, does that work, feels the towel. Um, and I do exactly the same with the hotel. I mean, yes. you stay in hotels all the time. Mm. I bet you have a routine. Yes. Yeah, I always check to see what's what's where whether there are USB uh, sockets by the bed. That's one of my big things. Oh, and yeah. what would you do if you found there wasn't a USB socket by the bed? I just have to pray I've bought enough adapters. <laughs> uh, yeah, and go and look in the bathroom and, and, that, and the wardrobe, that sort of thing, just to, just to get the lay of the land. Do you really. do a pube check? <laughs> I'm sorry? Well, I used to work in a hotel. Yes. I was a chambermaid. For, did you know this? Lovely in that penny. Two weeks I was a chambermaid mm. and my bathrooms were second to none. I bet, I, I mean, you, do you still clean your bathroom here once a day? Uh, at least every other day. Every other day. Yeah, yeah. I do like a, a clean bathroom, but always check for pubes. On the loose seat? Everywhere. Oh. Oh, they, some people are very hairy. Yeah. And if you happen to go in the bathroom after them, you don't want to find hairs in your toothbrush. No, especially, especially in a commercial operation. Yes. So uh, Hyacinth does a little recce of the room. And, she does oh, her pube check. It's quite nice, she says. Oh, yes, it's quite nice. And, and do you know what? I thought that was a, a nice bit of script because Hyacinth, of course, with the whole premise is that she's trying to pretend to be someone she's not and she's trying to be this aristocratic sort of thing. And actually that is sort of the the way that sort of the aristocracy in Britain are sort of programmed to behave. You don't walk somewhere and go, oh. Look at the view. Oh, it's how beautiful. Or you just walk in and go, oh, it's quite nice. Or or indeed say nothing at all. So her walking going, it's quite nice. It's also quite derogatory. Yes. Which is quite fun. Um, she talks about how uh, she's going to luxuriate with a Dame Barbara Cartland. Yes, which she was a, a, a novelist, uh, quite a camp novelist. Yes. And wear lovely sort of pink, poofy, frilly chiffonous dresses, lovely blown out sort of hair, and she'd always have a little white poodle or small dog uh, with her. And Dame Barbara Cartland, she used to, as you know, I work for BBC Three Counties Radio, yes, which covers Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire. And I believe my recollection is that she lived in either Hertfordshire or Buckinghamshire. I can't remember which. Mm. But she used to come in quite often to the radio station and she wore those big poofy dresses. Yes. So she'd come in for an interview about a new book she'd written and she'd come in with all this frock. And my dear colleague, Sandra, um, one day, Dame Barbara, before she was due to be interviewed, she said, oh, I need the loo. Mm. So Sandra had to go with her and had to hold her big poofy dress through the gap in the bottom of the loo door while Dame Barbara Cartland had a little wee. 
because she got so much dress on, you know, she would have had to take the whole thing off. Oh. I don't think Sandra's ever gotten over that. No. No. So uh, Hyacinth is going to luxuriate with her dame Barbara Cartland. And get someone up here to clean the windows. That's right. <laughs> she spotted the dirty windows straight away. And what are you going to do while we're golfing? Oh, I shall lounge and luxuriate and read my dame Barbara Cartland. <laughs> Get somebody up here to wipe these windows. <laughs> now, you, you've checked into many hotels, as you've mentioned, and, and so have we, that where rooms have maybe not been to our standard. Mm-hmm. What's your procedure? Well, I've... Yes, I mean, firstly, never unpack your bag. Mm. Always, you put your suitcase next to the door and you do a hyacinth-style recce of the room. Yep. And if, there's, if there are things that you're not happy about you haven't unpacked and gone through all the hassle of then having to put stuff back in your True. case. Yeah. So always at that point, I, I then go but back down to reception and I say, I'm sorry, that room will, will not do for me. And these are the reasons. Nine times out of ten, if you're staying in a good hotel, I find they generally at that stage upgrade you. Mm. I remember years ago, uh, my father, it was his 60th birthday. Yeah. And he booked for the family to go to a very nice country hotel mm. And he'd booked, he was paying for it all, very generous of him. And he'd booked for uh, three standard rooms one for moi, one for my brother, mm-hmm. and one for him. Lovely. And uh, when I went to my room, terrible smell of cigarette smoke. Oh. I'm not putting up with that. It's supposed to be a non smoking hotel. I wasn't going to. So I went back down to reception. I said, I'm sorry, my room smells of cigarette smoke and i'm afraid that's that's not acceptable oh i'm so terribly sorry miss vernon smith uh please allow us to upgrade you i ended up in a suite with a four poster bed jacuzzi bath overlooking the beautiful countryside on my father's 60th birthday (laughs) did you offer it to him no i didn't (laughs) (laughs) happy birthday yes happy birthday I could have got away with it if he hadn't come to meet me at my room oh and he said how did you get this room I said, well, I explained the situation. I think he was a little bit un- unhappy, but never mind. We, not that long ago, checked into a very well-known hotel in Las Vegas on holiday. And we were, we were only there for two nights. And we got in and it stunk of cannabis. Oh. Yeah. So I phoned reception. Now, it's a big hotel, so you have to phone reception. You can't go down to reception because it would take you five, five weeks. And said, look, this is the situation. It stinks of cannabis. And they said, OK, we'll move you. You're in room 4012. We'll move you now to room 3008. Uh, you just go down a floor. And this is the bit that I loved. Your key card has changed automatically. Get that. Really? My key card then would not open the room that we were then standing in. But it did open room 308. Oh, don't you just love America? Yeah, that's technology for you. Fantastic. Change rooms every day. As they leave their room, Hyacinth and Richard notice that there are what can only be described as sex noises coming from room 210. Next door. Well, it's not even sex noises. It's kind of of 1970s carry-on noises. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Chasing one another around the bedroom noises. Mm. It's all that kind of stuff, wasn't it? It goes on a bit. Yeah. We've all been in hotels with noisy neighbours that are sort of enjoying themselves too much. Indeed, you have previously, on a few episodes ago, were telling us you used to live next door to people that were 
over amorous. No, underneath them. Yes, you were underneath them. And I believe we've got a bit of an update because that sort of folk followed you on a recent holiday. I have just got back, dear listener, uh, from Spain mm. and stayed in a very nice hotel. I don't normally stay in hotels in Spain, uh, but I stayed in a hotel and it was wonderful. I had a wonderful experience until the second to last night when I was awoken at one o'clock in the morning by a loud banging and thrusting noise. Oh, it was a bit... I'll try and recreate it. It was a bit like this. Can you hear that? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we can. <laughs> so, but then it would stop for oh. about a minute or so. And then, then you'd get this. <laughs> and then it would stop for maybe three or four minutes. Anyway, this went on. And I thought, what the hell's going on there? Let it go on. No other noises. None of the kind no, of no usual sort of... kind of... <laughs> None of that. So I thought, what's going on? Maybe they're, you know, moving furniture or something. And this went on and on. Four o'clock in the morning, it was still going on. Oh, so I phoned word. reception and I explained the situation. And the, the man on reception said, well, I'll phone them. Anyway, so I, I they phoned them upstairs. Six o'clock in the morning starts again, doesn't it? Oh. They had about two hours sleep. Stop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I went for breakfast and, of course, told all the staff. I said, Can you? My room was. Uh, oh, do you know? My room was 211. <laughs> you were in the middle Isn't of that Parsons and Rose. Yeah, my room was 211, and the uh, room above would have been 311. Mm. So I said to the staff, I explained the situation. I said, Can you let me know who is in room 311? Because. You, got on, you were getting on quite well with the staff, were you, at this point, or? reasonably well i mean they thought it was hilarious when i told this story and of course i made sure that i sat with my back to the wall so i could see everyone coming (laughs) into the breakfast room and i wrongly accused a very tired looking couple of being the couple (laughs) they weren't staying in room 311 at all but do you know what do you know what it transpired to be no a couple in their late 50s oh isn't that disgusting i thought it dropped off by then Hours, hours. Because I said to the receptionist, when I then complained, um, I said, are they newlyweds? And he laughed and said, no, they're just on holiday. (laughs) But who wants to do that all night? Well, either one of them walking with a slight limp. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Anyway, well, so there are sex noises coming from room 210. Mm. And it's my sister, Rose. Well, she doesn't know that at this point. No, she doesn't. Because she tries to get Richard to find out who is making those noises. How can I give them a disapproving look if I don't know who they are? That's right. And she, she goes into the, the lounge mm. on her own. Because I think, hasn't Richard gone to kind of sort himself out for golf? Yeah, or, or he's doing something. Yeah. He's gone off on, on other business. And Hyacinth goes into the lounge and we have this wonderful physical comedy with her and the chairs. Yes, trying to find a chair that, that is just right. Just right. I love the moment when she, she kind of goes to sit on the sofa <laughs> and slides down. <laughs> it's just wonderful. It's where you see Patricia Routledge again being so physically funny. Yes, it's, it's excellent. And you know me, I love a location fact. Oh, yes. The lounge... Yeah. 
Not a studio. No. And not even Chesford Grange. Is it not? No, it was the Regent Hotel in Lymington. Because Chesford Grange didn't have a lounge like they needed. Oh, that's interesting. And so they filmed all of those scenes, including Hyacinth, you know, on on the different chairs. Mm. But then they recreated the back wall with the sofa where the couple are sitting in the studio... So the dialogue was then done in a studio, all written about in Harold Snow's book. Oh, OK. Well, I did watch that and wondered what was going on there, whether it was in the studio. I thought it was on location somewhere, but that's very interesting. Mm. We have the ashtray moment where when she finally does find a, a seat that's comfortable, she then gets this terrible pong. Yep. Um, her nostrils are obviously bigger than yours. <laughs> <laughs> Whose aren't? <laughs> And she has to go and take this smelly old ashtray to reception in order for them to dispose of it. And she just leaves it on reception and gives the bell a good old dinging. So passive-aggressive, I love it. Yeah. And and then there's this snobbery about full-size newspapers, which was actually reminded... Because in the UK now, there is only one full-size newspaper left, which is the Daily Telegraph, which is huge. And it's actually very difficult to read. What is it called? A broadsheet, because the sheets are broad. Whereas most newspapers now have realised that actually it's much more practical to have something that back then in the 90s was sort of tabloid size, and it was the sort of more populist papers that were that size, whereas the quality end uh, were, were these bigger broadsheets. And actually that snobbery, and I can remember when, when the Times switched to tabloid size and Granny was always a Times reader, she was distraught. Was she? Yes, she was. She carried on reading it. I think the the gentleman in the lounge is reading the Financial Times, isn't he? Mm, yes. You can tell by the colour. Oh, I think the FT might still be big size. Actually, the FT and the Telegraph. Is it? Yep. Okay. At this moment, she befriends the couple who are trying to read well, their paper. she tries to befriend. She tries to. But she ends up showing them all of her photos of Sheridan growing up. And it's a shame in a way because I actually think she sort of, although she's trying to, there is that moment where they do have something in common because they have heard the noises in room 210 as well. So you, you've got a moment where actually Hyacinth could have bonded legitimately with them over a shared experience. But then Hyacinth, as ever, just sort of goes down the look at me, isn't my son amazing route? Here he is at Sheringham. Mm. They're trying to shake her off. Yeah. But we don't get that till a little bit later because the scene then cuts to Richard, who I think oh. at that point arrives at the Major's room, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's walking down the corridor. And the Major then reveals that he's not going to be playing golf with him because he's got this terrible, uh, I think it's a war injury, war, isn't war it? War injury. But actually before, remember before what happens before the Major, as Richard comes down the corridor, he passes a chambermaid. He does. And I think a bit out of character, he decides to turn around and check out the chambermaid in a slightly pervy way. And it's not what Richard would do. No, he wouldn't not do a that. Perv. It's not. It's a bit out of character. I'd love to know if that was in the script or that was a, a Clive Swift edition. I don't think it was. But no. Yes. Somebody obviously thought it would be funny for him to turn around and... It doesn't check. get a laugh. No. No, it's a bit odd. No. Oh! oh, I'd better get that. It's bound to be someone important. We'll be back after this. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. And we're back. We're talking about golfing with the major series two, episode four of Keeping Up Appearances. Richard meets the major who says he won't be playing golf with Richard because he's uh, he's damaged his leg, war injury, an old recurring war injury. But don't worry because he's organised for Richard to play golf with old Porky Hooten. Who I'm thinking is quite large with big fat fingers. And a ruddy face. Yes. And the major is, obviously we've met the major before, is, is Peter Sellier who is sort of one of those character actors that you've seen in quite a lot of sort of sitcoms of that ilk. He was in, yes, Prime Minister. He looks just like our old family GP. Oh, does he? Yes. Our family GP was the spitting image of him. It's quite spooky, really. Okay. It wasn't an actor on the sly. No, I don't think so. So poor Richard's got to go and play golf with Porky Hooten. Mm, I feel sorry for Richard. I hate golf. Do you like golf? Uh, no, it's very boring. But hang on, didn't you caddy once for someone? Well, my, my dad's a big golfer, yeah. loves golf, and uh, he tried to desperately get me into golf. I wasn't interested. So he decided it would be a good idea for me to start caddying for him mm. as, a, as, a, as a kind of teenager. And when I caddied for him, he used to play golf with a guy called, um, I think his name was Frank McWilliam. And Frank McWilliam then became the Lord Mayor of London. Oh, and as a result of the whole experience, we got invited to the Lord Mayor's show. Had wow. dinner at the Guildhall and everything. Hyacinth would have loved it. That would have... I mean, that's a route into social one. Oh, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember it being very cold in there. Yeah. Have you we, been? Not, not, not for dinner. Oh, no. <laughs> oh William. <laughs> Never mind. I'm sure one day you'll get there. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> It's it's only something that my me and my small nostrils can dream of. That's true. We have the first appearance of Onslow and Daisy. Then. Yes, they've arrived at... Well, they're, they're approaching. Yes, they're approaching to pick up Rose. Who we now know it's Rose. We know Rose is the one who's making the sex noises from Room 210. And there's, again, a nice piece of physical comedy between Patricia Rowland and Mary Miller, where she's trying to chat with the Major, she's pushing Rose back in the room, Rose comes out, she pushes Rose back again. Beautifully done. Lovely. Hyacinth's going down to reception to complain about the towels. 
Because the towels are coarse. Knobbly. Did she call them knobbly? Yes. Hard and knotty? Hard. We all know the kind of towel she's describing. I can't bear a hard, crusty towel. No. I have a a towel routine. Who doesn't? Well, what's your towel routine? So I'm very... I always buy a particular brand of towels that are quite easy to, you know, look after. Pima Cotton? Yes. Mm. I will uh, wash them, you know, with on, on a 60 Ooh. to get get rid of the dirt, or on a lower wash with laundry cleanser, obviously, because mm-hmm. otherwise they're fair string germs. And then I put them on a half tumble. Oh, gosh. But you miss out a very, very important r- routine. Oh, right. Well, I'm surprised me, you, you and I th- haven't had this conversation. Okay, no, I don't think And I, I know that you are now going to do this week after week. Yes, so, if you want your towels to be not only gorgeously soft, but yes. also to have that lovely smell and mm. aroma, you need your towel bucket. So when you've it's bouquet when you've washed your towels in your sixty degree wash, yes, to kill any bacteria because there's nothing worse than that awful smell. Oh. Yeah, oh, smelly towel, nothing like it. So you get your bucket, and your bucket should contain water and a good capful. Or fabric softener. Okay, fabric softener. Okay. Fabric softener, a nice, beautiful aroma. So can I ask, when you've washed them at 60, do you put in any fabric softener at this point? No. No, you just put in the laundry. It goes in your bucket and you take the towels out and then you soak the towels overnight in the bucket. Overnight. Overnight in the bucket with water and softener. Then you take them out the next day, mm. put them back in the washing machine. Yep. Give them a spin, mm-hmm. so you're not really even rinsing the softener out. The softener is all... You so know, you're not tumble-drying them, you're just spinning. Hang on. Okay, oh, I'm so sorry. You spin the towels. Yes. Tumble-dryer for no more than 30 minutes. Okay. You don't want your towels to be 100% dry in the tumble-dryer. No. But you want the tumble-dryer to have created a lovely soft fluffiness to them. Mm. Then they must be hung on the line on a nice hot sunny day. You will have the best towels in the world. They'll be soft, squishy, bouncy, will have a beautiful aroma. Well, that's that's lovely. Exhausting. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're still listening, this is we're, we're talking about a series two, episode four. <laughs> what do you do in the winter when it's not sunny? Oh, you just have to leave them for extra time in the tumble dryer. Yeah. Thing is, we don't have a line. Do you not? Well, we have an outdoor terrace. Oh. So I'm... Oh, I'll just say, my towels will be like sandpaper. Oh. Honestly, it's worth the effort. It is. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I may not do I it every week. Will. I know you will. Yeah. We're going away for a few days, so I'll do it when I come back. Oh. Yeah, honestly, you'll you'll thank me. Just so one little cap full of fabric softener. Yes, with water, yeah. overnight. So just fill up the bucket with water. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Report back, please. I will do. Hyacinth goes to complain about her towels because they're too dry and crunchy. And at that moment, she sees that Onslow and Daisy have arrived. Yes, they're sort of, she, she sort of meets the, the couple again, tries to befriend them again, takes them outside because they're going to look at the garden, obviously a ruse to get rid of Hyacinth. She comes with them. She's taking out her pad and pen because she likes to keep notes about gardening. It's a well-known fact, of course, that the love of a garden is indicative of one's social standing, as I'm sure you'll agree. Um, I love the fact she takes notes. Yes. My, my late mother used to take notes. In gardens. 
know anywhere really. My, oh. my mother was the one who, if, uh, if if the head teacher was talking about something at school for the parents, my mum would be taking notes oh, that's on the okay. front row. Uh, on a holiday, yeah. Um, have you ever been on a package holiday? On a on a package holiday? No, no, I didn't think you would have done. When you go on a package holiday, quite often they have a welcome meeting. Oh yeah, no. And they say, well, come along tomorrow, meet in the hotel reception for the welcome meeting. And the hotel rep will give you some information about, you know, where the nearest pharmacy is and the doctor and some of the hotel rules and all that kind of stuff. Mm. My mum would make sure she was there normally about 10 minutes before and she'd make notes. (laughs) (laughs) So she would have approved of Hyacinth taking notes in the garden. In the garden. But of course, the note taking is distracted because then Hyacinth sees Onslow and Daisy arrive. That's true. And this is a disaster because she's trying to befriend this this sort of very smart couple that read the Financial Times. She's trying to befriend the Major. Um, it's all going to go to pot. Riff raff. So Hyacinth then goes upstairs mm. and when she goes into the room expecting to find Richard there, she does find Richard in his pants but also with a chambermaid Lying on the bed. Well, the chambermaid falls on the bed, we should just say, in Richard's defence. Um, <laughs> because the chambermaid didn't know Richard was in the bathroom, Richard didn't know the chambermaid was there, and Hyacinth didn't know that anyone, really, other than Richard, perhaps, was in the bedroom. And the major, of course, takes that, oh, good on you, Richard, which mm. is, of course, not the attitude to have. Um, but, yes, Hyacinth, I think, quite quickly realises that probably nothing untoward was going on. Because Richard is, of course, perfect. Exactly. Even though he did check out the chambermaid Well, I w- wonder, maybe they put that in there to set that up, do you think? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't think it still works. It's out of character. Um, anyway, they, they quickly move on and, and Richard announces that he's not playing with the Major. He's playing with this Porky Hooten. And Hyacinth just, she's so impressed, isn't she, because of his name. Yeah, he must have gone to public school. With a name like Porky Hooten. Yeah. Yeah. Probably did. And she's going off instead with the Major. Yes. So Richard's going off to play golf with Porky Hooten and Hyacinth is going in the car with the Major. And it quickly becomes apparent the whole thing is just a bit of a ruse from mm. the Major because he f- he's got the hots for Hyacinth. As we know from the very first episode of The Keeping Appearances where she's chased round his conservatory. Doesn't he That's say... That's not an orangery either. When he's in the car in the Morgan and she waves from the window, doesn't he mm. say she's attractive in a strange kind of way? Or... Yeah, I mean, that's a compliment, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Um, so, yeah, she, perhaps she has her herself to blame because she, she knows full well that the Major is... A pervert. A pervert. Um, but yet she's so desperate to climb up the social ladder. She she decides somehow to, to sort of forget... That, which is unfortunate, really. And sort of what then follows next, although there are some beautiful comedy moments from Patricia Routledge, it is perhaps, through 21st century eyes, a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, Yes, but don't forget, before you get to the uncomfortable bit, so Hyacinth gets in the car with him. Adjusts her scarf. Adjusts her scarf. He then puts his pedal to the metal and the car kind of jerks off and she goes, Oh! (laughs) (laughs) And you see... She's thrust into the back of the seat. The head go back all of a sudden. It's, yes. it's, it's a great, great moment. It is so funny. And and there's a few other moments in the car where they go over the bumpy road <laughs> and she goes up and down. There's just, she's just very funny, isn't she? She's, Physically, she's great funny. very, very funny. The major pulls the car over, and this in is a where deserted lay by. I mean, that's just awful. Takes a turn. Yeah. Pervy major 
he's arrived, doesn't he? And he's decided that he wants to take his opportunity to have a bit of a kiss and a cuddle with her, mm. which is thoroughly inappropriate because, I mean, apart from anything else, she's a married woman. Well, he's married as well. He's married as well, but he doesn't care about that. And Triasinth tra- has not given him any indication that she no. she's game for a laugh. No. So he try he starts grabbing at her and trying to kiss her. She's trying to get away from him. With the very valid excuse that she's a member of the Choral Society. And of course she is she's belted into the car. Mm. So the seatbelt course is quite a problem. Do you notice there's a moment where she kind of hurts her wrist? No. Have you not noticed? There's a moment where she's trying to get out of the car and she kind of hurts her wrist and she goes, oh, and he starts kissing her wrist. And I do wonder, yes. I, I, well, I think she might genuinely hurt her wrist. Because when, when you watch it, when you watch, she does kind of, she kind of catches her wrist. She goes, oh, but <laughs> He starts, he's giving her a good old kiss. She's trying to get the seatbelt off. He just kept, kept in character and went with it. Yeah, he did. Gosh. And it's bizarre the way it keeps catching, it keeps catching the horn, doesn't he? The horn yes. keeps firing <laughs> off and she's trying to get out the car and she finally breaks free, doesn't she? She breaks free. She gets the seatbelt off and off she goes sort of hoiking her knickers out of her She does. Bum. Love that. And do you remember that happened when she'd finally managed to escape his conservatory? Yes. Again, her, her knickers had got caught. She'd given herself a wedgie. Have you ever had a wedgie? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, I'd do it. I just see you pull a wedgie out. So she, she, she goes tearing across this field full of sheep mm. wearing a dress. And the major does at least get his comeuppance because as he's sort of standing in his seat uh, trying to, to call to Hyacinth, he trips over the seatbelt and falls out the car. Falls out the car. Lovely. Yeah. And that, that's sort of the episode, and she arrives on Slow and Daisy, see her bedraggled. Yeah, but, I mean, don't minimise how hilarious <laughs> it is when she appears. I mean, not only does she look like she's being dragged through a hedge backwards, her dress is ripped, her hair's all over. She's got mud all over her ankles. <laughs> and Have her you, face. Her ankles are smeared in, I presume it's cow pat yeah or something like i mean it's just hilarious. It probably get, get we, you know, we never see what has happened after she escapes the major but she's <laughs> she's gone across field and down dale yes have you ever seen that program sas <laughs> i i i envisage her having to do some kind of assault course to get back to the hotel oh she'd be great on that wouldn't she wouldn't she be funny <laughs> but what's funny is when she she arrives back and you know richard says what's happened to you and uh, she doesn't tell him. Mm. She kind of... And in fact, when the final scene, when they're driving away from the hotel, she she looks quite pleased with herself, really, that she's still got it. The Major still found her attractive. Mm. I think if they were writing that now, it would be a different type of ending. Oh, it'd never get on. No. No, it wouldn't be allowed on TV. No, it wouldn't. No. Not now. But it was very funny, and I loved it. It's a great episode. As an As an episode, it's a very strong episode because there are some very funny lines very funny moments and we're seeing our favorite characters in a different surrounding shall we see how closely we were watching the episode yes come on let's well it's a slightly left of center question from the producer this week in terms of the cast what is particularly unique about this episode well, 
that it's not filmed in the usual location, surely. In terms of cast. Oh, in terms of cast. There's no, there's no Elizabeth and Emmett. Elizabeth and Emmett. Can't be that, because we said that. There's no... Read it again. Read the question again. In terms of the cast, what is particularly unique about this episode? Some of them are missing. Should I say? Yeah. The only episode in the 44-episode series in which Josephine Tewson does not make an appearance. Oh. oh. So apparently the answer is that in all of the 44 episodes that there are of Keeping Up Appearances, this is the only one where Josephine Tewson, who plays Elizabeth, does not appear. I wonder how she felt about that. Do you think she was worried that they were writing her out of it? I don't think so. Of course, Emmett's not in series one at all, so it's less of a thing not to have him. But gosh, that's interesting. Let's let's face it. Roy Clark was quite good at crowbarring stuff in, but I don't think even he could suddenly make Elizabeth rock up at the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> she and Emmett have gone away for a weekend as well. Yeah. Gosh. Well, how interesting. Now, if you want to keep up with the bouquets, you can now listen back to William and I chatting through every episode of Series 1 right now. There'll be a new episode of our Series 2 analysis every Wednesday, and we need your help to let other people into the world of Hyacinth Bouquet and our podcast. So if you wouldn't mind terribly picking up your white slimline telephone with last number redial, giving them a call and instructing them to join us, well, we'd be frightfully grateful. See you next week. Tatty bye. 